Welcome to this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast, where we talk about topics and resources that help you lead more to reach more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. And welcome to this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. My name is Tom Bump, and I'm your host. Hey, I'm really glad you're listening to this episode today. Thanks for taking time out to uh, listen. We are always encouraged by the many leaders uh, that listen and subscribe to the KMC podcast. So thanks for doing that. Uh, We really appreciate uh, your support and encouragement and feedback on each and every episode that we share with you. Um, Now, this episode, I know for many leaders, the idea of having a ministry to special needs children and families often feels like an incredible and impossible challenge. And I just want you to know that my guest today, I think is gonna share with you some pretty cool stories and experiences and thoughts about how any church of any size can build a ministry that will be a huge blessing to families with special needs children. And especially in the season of COVID with all the shutdowns, these families have taken major hits. And so I wanted to to bring Jillian on, especially for the fact that we as a kid ministry community need to really step up our energies uh, and efforts in this area. So Jillian uh, Palamato is uh, a good friend of mine. We've we've known each other for a long time, but haven't been able to get connected online and the podcast. And so What's cool is, is she's just launched a brand new ministry and it's given her the freedom to go, hey, I can do a podcast with you now. And so That's I'm right. super excited to have you on. Jillian, welcome to the KMC. Well, thank you so much, Tom, for having me. Uh, super excited. Like you said, we've been trying to do this for over a year and now now I can <laughs> have a yes. little bit more flexibility. Um, not that I'm any less busy, but uh, <laughs> but now I just have more flexibility. So that's good. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I, I know you're not less busy because you're launching a brand new ministry. And I know how that goes, having launched my own right now, that it is absolutely crazy. Um, yeah for that. So anyway, you have launched a ministry called Together We Care, and I am so excited to have leaders hear about that. But first, tell us a little bit about yourself and about your ministry and background in, in children's ministry. Um, okay, well, I um, I have a bachelor's degree and a master's degree in, in education, and so I started out my career after college in um, just elementary education and then discovered um, that I had a gift for working with the kids with uh, with special needs and the ones that were, you know, needed needed alternative teaching or, you know, different methods of, of learning. And I particularly found out that I had a gift with kids that had behavioral issues for some reason. I don't know. And um, and so it became one of my passions. And it was just something that I never knew was in me until I had an opportunity to to work with it. And um, and so then I went back to school, got my master's in special education and um, that focused on inclusion, um, which for people out there who don't know what inclusion is, that just means mainstream everything that people without disabilities do, um, including people with disabilities in those things. And so it's basically uh, in in regards to the school system is a 
classroom that's a mainstream classroom that has some kids that are that uh, need some extra supports in those classrooms. And so um, so my ministry really, I would say, began in my classroom as a um, as a special ed teacher and, uh, you know, just ministering to the needs of the kids that I had uh, over the years. I, I was a special ed teacher for six years. And then towards the end of my teaching career, I felt like the Lord was really just calling me out of the school system, wasn't really sure where I was supposed to be headed, just knew that I was hearing clearly that it was time to resign. So I did that and um, let my, my administration know in February of 2013 that I was going to be ending my, my time with them and, you know, had until May to find another job and had no idea what the Lord wanted me to do. <laughs> so I was every day putting in applications, sending in resumes, never getting a call back from anybody about anything. And then two weeks before the school year ended, um, the children's pastor at my local church called me up and said, hey, we'd like for you to come in and interview actually as the worship leader for the children's ministry. And so I went in to do that interview. And in the midst of the interview, um, I began telling him what he didn't even know I was a special ed teacher at the time. Um, and so he just knew I taught in elementary school and I had been serving with our children's ministry for a long time and that I sang in the choir. <laughs> so <laughs> those are all pluses, you know, to be like the worship leader. And, um, and so he called me in for that reason. And we began talking about why I was leaving the school system and what I did on a daily basis. And he he was like, oh my gosh, for four years, I've been trying to start a special needs ministry and I just can't get it going because I don't know what I'm doing. And you have the experience and the education and the training, and I would be a fool if I didn't hire you for that. And mm. I looked at him and I said, great, what a special needs ministry. <laughs> that was <laughs> how my ministry began. <laughs> so, um, so it was, so I then launched the, um, the, the ministry called Unlimited Special Needs Ministry at my church and did that until just about a month ago. And, um, and then, you know, we kind of built that from about 20 families that we had that were attending our church at the time that had kids with various disabilities and various ages and all that. And, um, and we grew that over the course of six years from ministering to those 20 families to about 170 in six wow. years. And wow. so, um, so God did some miraculous things in and through those six years. And, um, and now, uh, yes, I've launched Together We Care, which is a new nonprofit that is basically taking the ministry into the mission field and into our community. So it's really just pretty much what we were doing, um, what I have been doing for the last six years under the unlimited umbrella and taking it out to a larger community. Uh -huh. That is awesome. Well, we always kind of start off the KMC interviews with with a why question, and so um, we laughed about this. Um, full disclosure: we talked uh, a few weeks ago about having her on the podcast and all this, and 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 we had a good laugh over starting ministries in pandemics. Um, That's right. <laughs> we, we may have to we may have to co-write a book on that one too. Um, yes. Talk about writing books as we were doing off air. Um, <laughs> That's I think, right. I think we're we're two peas in a pod when it comes to this is nuts, but this is all God. Um, That's right. That's and, right. And so, but I, I want to know why why start the ministry in a pandemic, but also tell me why exactly you're so p passionate about special needs ministry as well. 
Oh gosh, those are two loaded questions there. <laughs> um, so, so why start it in a pandemic? I think um, really to start a special needs ministry, like there's no better time than right now. Um, and I, what I saw as the director of Unlimited when the pandemic hit was that our families were very quickly and more severely impacted than mm -hmm. anybody else that I knew. It was the, the emotional roller coaster of, oh my gosh, virtual school and how are we supposed to work and manage our kids' behavioral um, outbursts with no support. We don't know how to teach. We certainly don't know how to teach with alternative methods. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, Screen time is number one, not good for our kid who has ADHD. PhD and number two, like they're not learning right now online. And yeah. so it was, um, you know, and it was trying to figure out, uh, you know, how are we going to work and manage that? And then, and, and I'll tell you like one specific example that, that kept driving me through the pandemic was we had a family who, um, who the dad is in uh, like engineering or something like sound engineering and things like that. And then the mom is a elementary teacher. Okay. So mm -hmm. she is a teacher and then she has three young kids, one that is in middle school that has moderate um, autism, ADHD. He's got uh, emotional behavior disorder. So just a plethora of disabilities and then a, a first grader and a kindergartner. And she suddenly found herself trying to manage her classroom from home while also managing her two youngest kids and kindergarten and first grade trying to do virtual learning all day like try to stick a kindergartner in front of a screen for eight hours not happening <laughs> okay yeah, wow. and then also trying to manage the middle school curriculum with emotional outbursts and meltdowns and all of that and I tell you that that one family just kept me driving, <laughs> you know, just uh -huh. like, listen, like I got to keep going. If, if for no one else, I got to keep going for this one family. And so, um, so, you know, so it was just, it, it made sense to me that we needed to do more uh, for the families. And what a lot of people don't realize about the disability community is that one in five people in the United States has a disability, a diagnosed disability. Wow. And so you're looking at 20% uh -huh. of the population. Meanwhile, only 10% of American churches actually have any supports whatsoever for the disability community. And so I look around at churches and I'm like, you're missing one fifth of your congregation that lives in your backyard. <laughs> so wow. To me, it really is a local mission field. Um, and, and, and so many churches are missing it because, um, I, you know, there's so many, so many times I have conversations with uh, senior pastors and I'm like, I want you to really think like picture in your mind, the congregation that you preach to if you said on a Sunday morning from the pulpit, please stand up if you have a diagnosed disability, do you think that 20% of your congregation would stand up? And they're like, no, we, we have one. We have one person in a wheelchair or we have one person that has Down syndrome, you know? And so it really is a yeah. whole, entire, whole entire people group that we're missing in the church and it just yeah, blows yeah. me away. And then meanwhile, when you look at other statistics about the disability community, um, it's something like 44% of the homeless population has a disability um, because mm -hmm. supports for life are just not there. And so I think like 
man, if we could put supports in place for people with disabilities, we would decrease the homeless population by 44%, you know? Um, And so, um, so, you know, so they battle with a lot of homelessness. Um, There is, they are the most uneducated, unemployed and isolated people group that we have in America. Um, You know, they didn't really have rights to have access to the same things that we have until uh, the the Americans with Disabilities Act came out in 1990. Um, So they've only really had uh, laws for them and rights for them on the books for 30 years. So we're way behind (laughs) in all of that. And, um, and unfortunately like churches, because of our laws regarding separation of church and state churches are actually exempt from even having to abide by those laws. And so unfortunately, most of them don't, um, you know, do anything that supports the disability community because they don't have to, because it's not a governmental law. However, I challenge them by saying you do have to because it's a biblical law. Yes. <laughs> so, yes, um, yes. and so often they're like, oh, and then whenever I, I remind them that of the recorded miracles that we see in the ministry of Jesus, of the miracles that Jesus performed and are recorded in the Bible are with people that have disabilities, 60% of the miracles. And so why are churches missing this? I don't, I, it blows my mind, but I say that, and this is coming from the person who seven years ago sat in someone's office and said, what is special needs ministry? (laughs) <laughs> so, so I was, so I'm not, I'm not judging or condemning um, anyone yeah. for not understanding that or their eyes not being open to that. But man, if we can just get, if we can just get uh, people's eyes who are part of faith communities to, to just their eyes to just be opened, the Lord will give you a revelation knowledge about what should be being done in faith communities for this population. It's, it's truly a mission field. Yes. So, so I want to, we'll hear, we're going to hear more at the end about Together We Care because I want people to understand and, and look into this a little bit more, but tell us a little bit about your mission um, of Together We Care and, and what you started here um, yeah, during this so- pandemic season. Yeah, so I've I've had lots of people since I opened it go, oh my gosh, you're doing too many things. <laughs> um, but but you know they're like, holy cow! But but I can very clearly define what our things are, and so we have three main pillars, and the first one is training. Um, it's just really training churches on how to um, start special needs ministries, all the things that you need to know, and all of the things that come with launching a special needs ministry or making it more inclusive. Um, Because what I have found in my experience is that many churches claim that they have a special needs ministry, but there's not really a standard right now for what that is. And so a lot of times what that means to them is that we have a segregated room that has people from age, you know, infant through, you know, 79 years old that all go to this one room and we, we provide childcare. That's what a lot of churches think special needs ministry is. And that's not at all what special needs ministry is. And so, um, so the first part again is just training churches, educating, you know, helping them to formulate, come on, coming alongside them to help them launch a special needs ministry and make it more inclusive and make it a true ministry and not childcare. 
And um, and I know you've you've probably experienced that with churches as well. That a lot of a lot of uh, children's ministries are seen as childcare, and that yeah. is not like no, <laughs> like, <laughs> like toddlers can totally learn the word of God and yes. and implement it in their daily lives, you know. And so I just have a, a very um, passionate belief about the same thing with people who have disabilities as well. And so um, so that's the first piece of Together We Care. Second piece of Together We Care is providing free resources and connections to families that have kids with disabilities. And so that really um, is just w- what I have found in being a ministry leader, um, you know, pastor is that, that, you know, so many families, there's millions of resources out there for the disability community through nonprofits, through the school system, through government agencies. Um, there is stuff out there for, t- to help you get through this life in the way that you need to be successful for yourself yeah. and for your kids. Um, and so there's all sorts of supports out there what I have found is that getting to the supports or finding the time to research and get to the right person in order to actually implement the supports is very difficult. It is not easy to get, like, once you get the supports, things are great, but getting the supports in place is very difficult. And so that's kind of, um, we just provide families with uh, like a network of people that they can call, people I can I can connect them with and put them in touch with so that they can get the resources that they need and kind of helping them to develop a plan. And And some of it is also just, telling them that the resources exist because a lot of times they don't know that there's funding or that there are certain school supports that would help more or you know they don't know that there are um, adaptive swim lessons or whatever you know but those things are there they just don't know that they exist so it's it's making the parents aware of those things and then getting the resources into their hands Um, and then the third piece of it is really supporting adults with disabilities and Um, and helping them get the supports that they need in order to live the life that God created for them. Because, um, you know, it tells us in Jeremiah that we were all created to prosper and that God has a plan for us and it is not to harm us, but it's to prosper us and to give us a great future, right? And so Mm -hmm. God didn't mean that for only able-bodied people. He meant that for every one of his his miraculous creations. And so- It is helping people with disabilities believe that and helping the community around them believe that and and helping them to find what is your God created purpose that you are here for and what impact are you supposed to have on your community, either with your disability or despite your disability or whatever. And so um, so the third piece is really kind of um, coming alongside adults with disabilities to help them develop like a life plan and helping them to prioritize what what things do we need to focus on and what supports do we need to play, you know, put in place to help you reach your life goals. And so it's really understanding what the person really desires for themselves. You know, what do you desire financially and educationally and relationally and, you know, for your career path? Do you want to drive? Do you want to, you know, move out of your house one day? Like, what is it that you want for yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, because my friends that I, that I that I cherish their friendship that have disabilities who are adults, I have found that either they 
tend to limit themselves if they if they realize that they have a disability um, and they they can can communicate that and they know that a lot of times they will they will limit themselves because of the label um, or because of the you know the disability and or um, a lot of times the parents will limit them and, and because they you know I have I have friends that are 30 years old that have autism and ADHD and the parents are still treating them like they're 12 and it's not it's not that's not to say anything bad about the parents they're just protective because they realize they have to provide provide a different level of protection for the child that has a disability um, but they also it all you, you gotta have a good balance <laughs> you know you gotta yeah, have a, yeah. a good balance of still providing autonomy for the adult with the disability and, and finding out what it is that they want for their lives. And, and let's figure out, let's come together as a team and let's figure out how we can make those things happen. So that's fantastic. That's yeah. fantastic. Well, let's, let's talk some practical stuff because there's some, some leaders out there that may be wondering, well, okay, so how, how do I get started in some of this? And so I'm curious, what were some of the initial steps that you did as you developed your special needs ministry in your yeah. church? Because um, I'm hoping that some people will glean some ideas of, of thinking about this and we'll talk a little bit more specifically about some things they need to consider, but how yeah. did you specifically start your, your special needs ministry? Uh, a lot of prayer, a lot of prayer <laughs> and fasting. <laughs> <laughs> the first step. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of prayer and fasting. Um, because I literally, my first week, I sat down with my supervising pastor and was like, okay, like anything that anybody at this church has worked on, like give it to me. Let me see where you are. I want to kind of analyze where we are as a church and as a, you know, as a congregation. Um, and what we have in place right now. And he literally handed me like this manila folder with like some hand, like five pages of handwritten notes. on. It. <laughs> you know? I was like, Oh, no, like, I'm really literally starting with nothing. And, um, and so it was, you know, it was some good efforts at first, of course. And, um, and so I literally just took that and was like, Okay, how, Lord, really, how do I begin? Like I, I have always been a teacher. So all, everything that I ever needed was already in place for me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because like mm -hmm. a, a school is already there. They just hand you the kids, they hand you the curriculum, they hand you the classroom and the desks and the chairs. And they say, go buy your own pencils and erasers or whatever, <laughs> but, <laughs> but all the systems were already there. And so I was literally starting from ground zero. And, um, and so as a special education teacher, I think I have a real gift for in the classroom, I was always, uh, you know, part of my job was really assessing where a child's educational level was and where we needed to get them and how do we fast track the education so that we catch them up when there's a gap in the education, right? And so I really just kind of took that same approach with launching the special needs ministry. And I was like, okay, I need to spend some time really getting to know where we are as a congregation, like where, you know, where are people's mindsets about disability? Because that that's huge. Like if you yes. if you have a church with an older congregation that did not grow up with inclusion, they didn't grow, you know, they grew up with the institutional mindset of if you have a disability, we're going to put you in an institution over here. That was just 40 or 50 years ago. And so right, right. that, you know, there wasn't any inclusion in school. There wasn't any of that kind of thing. And so 
Um, so you have to kind of really look at your congregation and assess things. And so I've started out with just interviews, um, you know, just interviewing um, and, and talking through the families that we currently had that were attending our church, like in an ideal world, forget volunteers, forget money, forget space, physical space, forget all of that. In an ideal world, what would church look like for your family? And just understanding the perspectives of each of those families, because all 20 stories that I heard were different expectations for what ideal church looked like for them. And I always tell leaders, like if you decide to go into special needs ministry, if you're serving 100 families, you have 100 different special needs ministries because every family is very unique. Yes. Um, and then also interviewing um, our core like volunteer team. So it's, you know, and I'm not talking about the volunteer that shows up once a month for, well, you know, or once every three months for welcome care. Like I'm, I don't, I didn't have time for that. <laughs> <laughs> that's bad we still need those people but uh but i'm talking about yes. you know those committed volunteer leaders who are there every single week in and out you know wanting to build those ministries um you know just kind of understanding what they're if we launch a special needs ministry what would make you really happy about special needs ministry? What would you like to see? What 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 terrifies you about special needs ministry? Um, you know, talking to the pastors, the worship leaders, um, getting an understanding of how you know how all of the ministries function. Um, you know, how do y'all communicate with one another? How do you communicate with parents? So it was really just getting a feel for understanding how the inner workings of the church worked. Um, and so definitely prayer and just talking to people at first. And then my third big step was really just reaching out to other experts and going to visit other churches. So, and that, that really allowed mm -hmm. me to, to develop the vision because I needed to see it. Like I needed to see it in action. And I have found um, with church leaders that I train when I suggest that they come to our church on a Sunday morning and shadow, man, that allows them to put so much stuff on paper. And so when they can just get, you know, just go and visit some churches. So I visited a church and I'm located in Georgia. Um, I visited a church out in Texas and I visited one in um, Illinois. And then I also visited a couple of them around Metro Atlanta. And again, all of those ministries were so vastly different, but what that those visits allowed me to do was to pull all of the best parts of those ministries that I knew were going to work for our congregation and what our people were looking for and what they needed. And so, it, you know, we didn't we didn't take their ministries and recreate them. Um, and I always, when I train people, I say, please don't try to take what unlimited right. is and reproduce it at your church because it's going to be completely different. It's, you know, we find that it's very, uh, there are regional differences. There are denominational differences. There's all of those kind of things that you have to take into consideration. So I definitely would say prayer, um, talking to people to find out what it is that they expect of the special needs ministry yeah, yeah. and, and, um, and visiting other places that have something in place. That's, that's good. So as they consider, as they look at that, there's, there's probably some things that you would say, Hey, I would avoid this <laughs> to, as you're starting out. Um, give us some tips and tidbits on, uh, on some of those kind of things. Cause I think sometimes we get so <laughs> in kid ministry world, we go to a conference and we hear about some of this kind of stuff. We sit in a seminar and think, all right, let's go home and implement. Yes. <laughs> And, and 
I mean, I'm, I'm one of those kind of people that, yeah, I mean, I go to conferences and I come home and I'm all fired up about X, Y, Z. And I think I can put X, Y, Z in place because they told me that speaker said, this is what's working. So yeah. I'm sure you've got some wisdom on, Hey, here's some things you should really avoid as you're thinking about starting something like this. Give us some, give us some help. Um, that one of the, I think the biggest things would be timing. Um, don't do too much too fast, but also don't wait too long to start something. <laughs> so it's that good balance of, yes. you know, don't get, don't get paralyzed, you know, the analysis of paralysis, like let's not do that or paralysis of analysis, however you say that. Yep. Um, but, you know, just don't get paralyzed in, in what it could become. Um, by not, you know, and just shutting down and not doing anything because that's not helping anybody. And so it take one step, like think of something that you can do and implement just one thing and don't try to grow it too fast. Um, I, I know one, one of the best pieces of wisdom that I received from our children's pastor was when I was first writing down the plan and kind of writing down my vision. I would go to him and say like, okay, this is what I'm thinking. Like, get, give me some feedback on it and tell me what you think. And he, every single week when I would meet with him, he would say, Jillian, what I see you doing is you're writing down what would be great for the 20 families we have right now. And I was like, right, that's who we're building the ministry for, right? Like that, they, that was my driving force uh -huh. when we first started. And he said, what I need for you to do is I need for you to look at this plan and see if this will still work if a busload of 200 kids with mm -hmm. disabilities showed up at our front door. Yeah. And he goes, because I'm not trying to build a ministry that is only going to serve 20 kids. He goes, we got to be ready for anybody and everybody and however many people walk through the door, you know? And so, so I would say just avoid the, the small mindset um, and anything that you think that you might want to put in place, you know, give it, give it to some people and say, do you give it to another set of eyes and say, do you think that what I wrote down here would work for 200, you know, not just the two that we have, but for 200. And, and so I think that that always was a good, it always helped me to always remember yeah. that we don't know what God's going to do with it. We don't know how yeah. big God's going to make it. We don't know who he's going to bring to us yet. And so we got to build this for everybody that we don't know that's coming. And, um, oh, you know, good. and so to me, it's the same thing as when you're preparing for, you know, for your first child or whatever, like you don't know anything about what your first child's personality is going to be. It doesn't mean that you wait till they get here to go by the crib, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, like prepare, you know, and then what, what happens if you end up having twins or triplets? <laughs> you better be ready. And so, um, you know, so I would just say, you know, just, uh, just avoid um, planning for small and, and avoid also one other thing I would say is avoid is, is stepping into anything before you write it down. Like I I'm just such a big proponent of, of writing the vision down. And when you're yes. writing it down, allowing the Lord to, to, you know, be flexible within that plan, but also to, to formulate those ideas because he does know what's coming. Right. So he can yes. already see into the future. He already knows who he's going to bring to you. He just might not be revealing that to you yet. And so, you know, so relying on the Lord for sure when you're writing that down and and just kind of yielding to um, that still small voice of like, ah, no, maybe maybe I need to tweak this here or tweak that there. Mm -hmm. And um, and I know when when we started, I, I spent uh, about six months doing nothing but interviewing, writing, planning 
all of those kind of things. And so it, it takes a good, a good amount of time to, to plan, yeah, yeah. even just for the launch. Like it's not something that you want to just go, okay, I got approval. And so tomorrow we're starting a special needs ministry. Like don't go too fast, but don't go too slow either. Yeah. That's really good. I love, I love that. My, my mentor and coach, and and it's something that I put into to those that I coach through KMC coaching is, is this, you know, start doing now what you would be forced to do later. That's right. Um, so, you know, it, and, and everybody needs to start somewhere. And I, I hope that even this, even someone that's serving in a small church realizes that you can do some things. Um, that's right. You don't have to do everything. And, and I do think you need to, you know, I think one of the things I've learned from, from you and others, as I've talked with different people and sat in on different breakouts is, is that, you know, do something, don't, don't do nothing, That's right. <laughs> but also know your limits too, that there are some things you won't be able to physically do or handle. And, That's right. and so I think, you know, because one of the biggest mistakes we can make, at least, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but my my understanding was is the biggest mistake I could make is to, is to think I can do everything and handle every kid. Mm-hmm. And there are times where I have to say, we're not prepared for that. Um, yeah. We, we aren't, we can't safely minister to your child this way, or we, we yeah. don't have X, Y, Z kind of thing. So that leads me into the next question then is so, so somebody that, that, that doesn't have a lot of facility and a lot of volunteers, what could they do to, to start offering some kind of ministry? What would be an entry point? Like, you know, that's only a few inches deep that anybody could do regardless yeah. of church size, but yeah. really well, looking at yeah, the smaller and, sizes. And, and yeah. And it, it's for, for the smaller churches that I work with, for sure. The very first easiest thing to do is to implement a buddy system. Um, uh, so a buddy system I, it, for, for anybody out there listening who doesn't know what that is, it's really just recruiting a one-on-one volunteer that can be with that child. And whether, whether you have to start it in a segregated room or whether it's in an inclusive model where they're just part of the children's ministry and they come and they have their, their volunteer that's assigned to them. That is one of the easiest things to start implementing. Now, uh, now what is not easy is when you get to a hundred kids and you're like, wow, we need a, a volunteer for every single one of them. Then <laughs> <Like>, that's a <laughs> hundred volunteers we need. Um, and so you do have to have a good recruiting, um, thing in place. But what I have found is that a lot of churches just don't think outside the box. A lot of pastors do not think outside the box with volunteer recruiting. Um, and so you get stuck in in the old way of doing things in church, which is we use 20% of the people to do 80% of the work. And yeah. it's always the same people and we burn them out and then they end up leaving our church. <laughs> you right. know? And, um, right. and so it's, um, so it's, but, but implementing a, you know, for a, for a small church, especially, you know, if you, if you have a congregation of less than 250 people um, and you figure out whatever 20% of that is, right. Let's just say you have four people in your congregation that have a disability. 
um, talk to the talk to the person. Talk to you know if it's a, if it's a child, um, then talk to the parents or whatever, and go listen. How can we make this a better experience for you? And we want your child to be included in, in you know, in our children's ministry. We want them to be engaged with the Word of God, to learn how to worship, to learn what worship is, um, you know, to be able to make friends and socialize and all of that. So just will you just tell us how to do that and and rely on the parents. And then what a lot of people that I have found it, that it's never occurred to them is that they need to reach out to the child's teachers because the teachers are the ones who are the trained professionals that know how to work with them every day. And so if you've got the teachers and the parents in your corner, um, there's really not a whole lot of excuses that you have there. And yeah. so, so even if it is somebody that has a very severe disability or behavioral, um, you know, like severe behaviors and things like that, if you work with the the parents and the teachers to find the right supports to put in place, um, you can very easily invite that family into your church and and not be afraid of that. Um, I, I always recommend to churches that they reach out to their local school district because every district has a behavior specialist. Um, reach out to those people, ask them to serve in your ministry. And, you know, and I have gotten a lot of pushback from churches before about like, oh, well, we don't know where, you know, what, what did we just ask anybody in the community to come and serve in a leadership <laughs> position, in a volunteer position? What if they're not saved? And I'm like, you don't have any idea of the people <laughs> sitting in your congregation where <laughs> Listen, I saw what they did yesterday on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're one of your key leaders. Okay. <laughs> so, um, and so I always challenge that old mindset yeah, of, you right. know, we, ha we have to have someone within that's already committed to the church to serve in the ministry. What you really need more of in the special needs ministry is skill. Skill and training mm -hmm. is, is really yes. where you want to where you want to focus your recruiting efforts, because in a buddy system, you're not asking those people to teach the word of God. You're not asking them to lead a, a small group of kids. You're not asking them to talk about how do we apply God's word. You're not asking them to lead worship. You're not asking them to give out communion. All you're doing is asking them to fulfill the need of accommodating for the needs. That's it. Mm. And so you're not asking them really to do any spiritual um, guidance of any type. You're just at, you just need their skill and their talent. And, um, you know, and so, so I would say just for smaller churches, the biggest thing is just starting a buddy system, start recruiting um, some buddies, even if you don't have anybody with disabilities, start recruiting a team of five or 10 people that would be willing to be buddies in the event that you have a person with a disability who walks through the door. And, um, you know, and, and, and again, you have to, you have to understand what the commitment level can be and things like that. Like we, we try to ask our, our, our minimum for volunteering with our ministry at our church is a minimum of every other Sunday mm -hmm. uh, for one service with the same kid. And so it's really great because then they develop this great mentor relationship with yes. the, with the child. And, and they are really our mouthpieces for helping us understand what the family is going through. Cause a lot of times special needs ministry is not even about the kid with the disability. It's about ministering to the parents a lot of times oh, um, because the, the parents are not getting spiritually fed either because they've had churches turn them away or they yep. feel like, you know, their kid's going to be a burden to somebody or whatever. And so they're not being fed either. And so it's really more of a, you're ministering to the whole family and not just to one child. Yes. 
Oh, I'm so glad you said that because I think we we tend to think of it as we're just ministering to the kids and yep. it really is. I'll I'll never forget when we started launching one and, and I did, I'm, I'm so thankful. I had somebody else that uh, was just fantastic in this area and they said, hey, why don't you go and talk to some of the special needs teachers, invite them to come look at, at the church and the building and give you some advice yeah. about your setup and 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 then you know you can talk to them about the kids and 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 maybe even invite them to come and watch what you do on a sunday morning and say hey here's how you can make this more inclusive here's here's some things you could do and that's right wow what an insight what a what a, and we don't often think about stuff like that um, when we're looking at starting yeah. our, our own ministries and we really should but i'll never forget when we started in that we had a, a family come to our church and they had called during the week and asked specifically, what do you have for special needs children? And so I was able to describe, we had yeah. a very narrow scope. We knew what, what our limits were. We knew volunteer wise, this is all we have at this point. And, and thankfully we had somebody that was available that, that knew how to do intake really well and ask the right questions of this mom. So I connected them first got them talking and I'll never forget my volunteer calling up after they had that phone call. And she told me this mom is so excited. She started crying on the phone because mm -hmm. she said, I have called so many churches in the area and you're the first church that actually took my call, yep. asked questions, but my volunteer, God just was using her in such a powerful way that she, she actually, uh, you know, totally went off script and just said, how can I help you? Yeah. What and do that's you what it's need? About. Oh. And oh. oh man, that mom just apparently lost it because she said, nobody's ever asked me that. And, and uh, honestly, she was part of the catalyst of starting a whole respite ministry <laughs> um, that, that we weren't expecting God to ask us to do, yeah. but it became very clear to offer a night out for parents um, and that, that'll be a whole nother podcast we'll have to talk about. Um, That's right. <laughs> but, but I'm glad you challenged us to think about some of those kind of things because we do need to talk more about that. And so we definitely need to have another episode um, on this because I'm sure the listeners out there are getting even more questions. And so I hope that what one thing that they will do after the results of this podcast is to engage with you in the KMC group, but also directly. But can you give us a couple ideas, some resources, some books, um, places to look for some knowledge, you know, to help us get started and to think more about ministry like this. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, yeah. So number one, yes, I would love to connect with any of the listeners, um, any way that we can help whatsoever with, um, you know, just answering questions or, or what do you need to say to your senior pastor to get approval, <laughs> like whatever, whatever it is. Um, and then, you know, and then there are um, some conferences or several conferences out there and so like we we host a conference called the together conference that we're still trying to figure out for 2021 how to kind of revamp that but then there's also key ministry that is a great resource and i, I believe their website is keyministry.org um, mm -hmm. where they have so many different resources and blog posts and churches in the area they actually have a map where you can um, search churches that have special needs ministries in your area so that would help to go and visit those churches um, and then a few, I, I do have like a few books that I would recommend would be, um, would be Autism in Your Church by Barbara Newman. 
is a great resource. And then leading a special needs ministry by um, Amy Fenton Lee is a, is a great one. That was one of the first books that I read. Um, and then one of my favorite books that actually just came out and, and it's so incredible is Disability in the Church by Dr. Lamar Hardwick. Um, absolutely incredible resource. And, and it, it gives more, not, not necessarily of the practical how-tos to start something, but the why you need to start something. And so I would definitely recommend that as a, as a read and also to get that into the hands of whoever the decision makers are of the church um, to help them get an understanding of why, um, you know, why you should have a disability ministry at your church. So um, those are just a, just a few. <laughs> those are great. And tell us where we can learn more about Together We Care. And, yes. And so, um, okay. So you can go to our website, which is togetherwecareGA.org. Um, unfortunately, all of the other Together We Cares, everything was taken already. <laughs> so <laughs> so we, we chose togetherwecareGA.org because we are located in Georgia, but we're not, um, not confined to Georgia. So we do have lots of contacts and things like that all, ac- all across the country. So, um, so we can help people everywhere. And, um, and so, yeah, you can, visit the website and, um, you know, reach out to us or whatever on the contact form, just send us an email if you need anything and we're happy to help. Excellent. Well, Jillian, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to, to chat with me. And, and again, we'll definitely get you back on, uh, to talk more about some of these other topics. Cause I think this is a, a great time. Like we yeah. said at the beginning of the, the episode, that this is a time for the church to shine and and to develop this and reach out to a, a group of people that really lost a lot of resources and lost a lot yeah. of community during the pandemic and this is an opportunity for us and and uh and for our churches not just children's ministry i think this is bigger than children's ministry obviously and and yeah. so we we as churches need to push our senior leaders in this direction to say hey we need to think about this area of our ministry and and how we can connect with leaders. So thanks for, thanks for taking the time um, to, to help us understand more uh, about that. So, um, and again, I hope that, you know, you'll find yeah. all these links in the show notes guys. Um, so make sure you check it out. We'll put links to, to Jillian's ministry together. We care in there and some of these resources she mentioned. So again, thanks for, for being a part of the podcast today. Yeah. Podcast. Thanks for having me. This was, um, this was a lot of fun. And as we close up our episode, thanks for listening. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do so. We would love to have you as a subscriber so you don't miss any of our episodes. Um, Also, feel free to share our episodes with any others in the kid ministry world. We would love to continue to reach out and, and help other leaders grow. And if you're not part of the Kid Ministry Collective Facebook group, come join us over there and uh, Jillian will be there. So you can ask questions in there and there in that group. That's right. Um, we would love to have you there. So thanks again for listening. Join me again on another episode real soon. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective podcast. We hope that it's helped and encouraged you. If you would, support our podcast by continuing to share it with other leaders. And if you haven't already, hey, please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast. We look forward to hearing from you how this podcast has helped and sharpened your skills and ministries. So let us know on your Facebook page or head over to kmccoach.net and share with us there. And thanks again for listening to the Kid Ministry Collective Podcast.